Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. You know, you likely found this podcast due to something relational, right? Maybe a breakup, maybe a struggle, maybe uh, not knowing whether you should stay or go, how to process thoughts as a single person, how to find a relationship, how to not repeat certain patterns. And you certainly will be able to go through all of the past episodes and gather and garner all that information. It's there and it's here. It's going to keep coming, keep iterating, keep going deeper, keep looking at different perspectives. And that allows us these, you know, the complexity of human thought and the human experiences, we mostly experience it through the first person, which is me seeing through my eyes, what is in front of me. And what goes on on a very unconscious level is all of the beliefs that I have that actually either allow me to see more or less, because ultimately my eyes will look for what validates my beliefs, what validates my wounding my whatever it might be right so if you think about this you know have you ever bought a car and then when you're driving down the street you see that fucking car everywhere and before that you didn't know there were so many honda civics or whatever it is and now you're seeing them freaking everywhere and that shows you that your mind is primed to begin to see things and you know when they look at the science of luck there's a great article called the luck factor i believe it's a book too and they take people who are unlucky and they study them. And of course, unlucky people are like, I'll volunteer for that. Shit, I can't wait to prove how unlucky I am. And then they study lucky people. And they teach the unlucky people what lucky people do and they become lucky. Now, it's a matter of perspective, of course, because the science of luck is really the science of optimism, the science of seeking miracles, seeking possibility. And, you know, these people didn't do anything that was sort of like, you know, meditate every day for an hour and, and hold beads and chant the secret. They just changed the way that they went about the world. They talked to people that they wouldn't normally have spoken to. They And one example of that is like the one guy was saying, normally I, I found myself talking to the most attractive girl in the room. And instead, what I did was I said, I'm going to talk to people who are in a blue shirt at this party. 
And it just opened up his world to this whole other, like he was in conversations he never would have had. And there's so many examples of that in the article. But all of this to say that if you can begin to understand your own unconscious biases, your own first person perspective, that's super powerful in being able to frame your mind and recognize that language and the way your inner dialogue goes. It's sort of this idea that our inner dialogue is just default. It just is, right? That in some way we don't have control or choice over it, not recognizing that if the mind is a computer in consciousness, they don't know really where that lives. So let's say that's connected in the ether because I like that thought. But that conscious, if your mind is a computer and the programs that run on it are the things you learn growing up, then you have a choice which programs you want to keep and which ones you don't, which ones serve you in a relationship and which ones don't, which ones manage conflict in a healthy way, and which ones don't, which ones say you should be boundaryless or you should be overtly guarded. All of these programs can be explored and you get to decide because you are the curator of your own mind, of your own life, of your own experience. You do not have to tolerate shit you were taught to tolerate from others and from yourself, that you can literally get into alignment with who you are, what your true authentic self-expression is, and you got to dig below all the bullshit that you've been taught relationally. And so we have this first person perspective, which is my experience of the world. And then we have second person perspective, which is looking through your eyes at me and wondering about what you've been through, what programming you've had, what wounding you have, how that shows up in our relationship, how that dances with mine that I begin to explore because I have space within my own self for all the different things that are negotiating every moment that I also begin to garner more space for yours because I recognize the value of understanding those things within me. And so now I'm open to understanding those things within you because I know they're valuable and I might even try to get you to explore those things. Now, often what we do is we say, read this book, it changed my life, go to this podcast, and that can work. But some people are resistant to that because they know that underneath there is something they want to uncover. They just might be a bit afraid of it. And so, and it it's also painful to think of all the things you've not paid attention to, all the moments you've allowed autopilot to steer your life, all the ways you self-abandon when now you're like, wait, if I learn about self-abandonment, then I have to process the grief and the anger of all the moments I've self-abandoned. And so in this second person perspective, I'm really starting to take a look at what you've been through. I'm really starting to explore what's happened in your life. And so that creates a lot more space within our relational experience because there's now space for not just you and I and who we're showing up as, but space for our family systems, our past, our inherited wounding, all the things we've been through, all the things they've been through, all the things that have really led up to this moment so we can recognize that we're not being derailed or or co-opted by unconscious programs and historical trauma that might not even be ours, but rather inherited. And you can think of inherited trauma too in the perspective and inherited relational patterns through the perspective of, hey, if your parents navigated conflict and relationship this way or didn't, right, that you are likely to do the same or the exact opposite, which if you look up your family tree, that will have occurred too, because most of us sort of pivot from one extreme to another or keep reliving the same extremes instead of finding that healthy space 
that lives within it all, which is the space of inquiry, which is the space of where did this come from? Who am I? How do I want to show up? What did I inherit that I don't want? What patterns do I keep repeating that I don't want to repeat? What choices do I seemingly keep making that are unhealthy? And how do I change those? What would a different choice look like? How could I support myself through that transformation, through that change? What is possible in my relationships if I do that? If my relationships transformed in that way, and so did I because my choices did, what is possible in my life? How would I feel? And so you recognize that the breadcrumbs of sort of looking in the past or that hindsight is twenty twenty connecting the dots allows you to see the patterns of behavior, the patterns of choice, where your vision has maybe been skewed or blurred. And it all led to this perfect moment that we're in this conversation that you're asking yourself these questions as I post them and have asked them of myself and will continue to ask, that they've all led to this because it's so easy to be angry and you can be angry, but to reject all of the awareness because it's too painful. But what it does is you let it cook you. As Francis Weller would say, who I had on the podcast, so if you're curious about that, he's incredible, that that you let the grief cook you, you let the anger cook you, you let it alchemize you, you let it change you. You enter the cocoon and the cocoon transforms you. The cocoon says, here's your next possibility. We're going to get you there. And that's that painful space between what you know and what you, you might be comfortable with, even if it's toxic, even if it's not productive, even if it gets in the way of healthy conflict resolution, and who you actually are capable of being. Stepping fully into your power, stepping fully into your voice, maybe breaking down a few walls, but knowing that when you bring down the walls, you've got boundaries. You've got your voice, you've got yourself, right? And in doing that, you get to touch this really beautiful part of yourself, that you may never have really allowed to fully come alive, which is your essence, which is your truth, which is your power, which is all of your possibility, which is the complexity of you and all of us. And in doing that, you love your imperfections. You love what has led to this moment today because your past informs you. You know, it says to you, here's some things we've done that, hey, we might not actually be that proud about. We might have shame about, but instead of tucking that away in a little box and hiding it, you pull it out and you say, teach me, cook me, all right? Cook me, expand me, transform me. If you could teach me anything that would help me today based on the experience that we've been through, what would I need to do to show up today to honor that experience? What skill set did I need then that I don't have now? And you explore that. And you integrate it, you integrate it, you grow it, you change it. And so you have this first person and this second person. And then you create even more space and you have more persons, third person. And you could even go into more dimensions than that. In that you're starting to look at cultural narratives, religious narratives, the media, Disney. You're starting to explore all these different factors that influence the way we relate why you don't pursue your dreams, why someone told you it's unrealistic and now we've just accepted that those are true. And so you begin to expand your perspectives, you begin to expand space for yourself and for other people. 
And the more space you have for the, your paradoxes that live within you, the spaces of disagreement, even the things within yourself that don't agree, the points of view that are in conflict, that the more space you create within you for all of those things, you create that in the world. Your living being becomes an inspiration. And when someone disagrees with you or doesn't say a truth or an opinion that reflects the truth and opinion you have of yourself, you'll be able to let it go. It doesn't mean it won't be challenging, but you'll be so connected to the essence of who you are and rooted into yourself that you become like an oak tree, that you realize your worth doesn't exist in whether someone chooses you or not. It exists in whether you choose yourself, that Someone else's opinion of you can be separated from your opinion of you because you've gotten to know yourself. You're in alignment with your integrity. You're living at your highest level of knowledge. You're honoring your past experiences by showing up today fully expanded, fully mature as an adult. And that's hard work. And so let this be an opportunity for inquiry and space for your perspectives, for your experiences, for your past, for their past, to explore all the relational moments where you didn't do that, where you didn't leave space for your pain that showed up in stonewalling or defensiveness or criticism or rage or whatever it is, that you're able to explore the depths of who you are with grace, with compassion. Think of it like being a scientist who's exploring it without judgment, who's doing research, and in doing that, how could you broaden that for other people in their experience of you in conversation? How could you model that? And not remember, this is not about perfection and getting it right. It's about progress. It's about changing. It's about transforming. It's about stepping into that space. And as I say that to you, I say that to myself, because there's always shit on the table. There's always expansion available to us just through little irks of moments of recognition and awareness that we could have had a conversation better, navigated a conflict better. And the best thing we can do to model for ourselves, but especially for other people, is repair. To repair, to say, I'm sorry, to say, I could have done this better. I'd like a redo. And to do it with people who are safe to repair with. Not people who hold the repair over your head and your repair doesn't come from a child space who needs agreement and compliance from someone else who needs them to love us. It comes from the space that we know we actually should apologize. We're not apologizing to become a doormat and to fawn, right? To go into people-pleasing mode. Am I apologizing to take more ownership than what is mine or am I apologizing for what is mine? And as Harriet Lerner would say, you don't apologize to someone else to hear an apology from them. You apologize full stop. If it comes with a condition, it's not an authentic apology. So with all that said, I hope this podcast episode finds you with love and meets you in a space of grace to know it is so human to be figuring it out as we're figuring it out, as we're living each moment we are learning. And that's the point. Life is a school and we're all works in, in progress. And just honoring that, that you will never get to a space of perfection and perfection is bullshit. And no one actually gives a shit about your perfection. What I care about is your humanness, is your responsibility that you take for the way you relate. That's what I care about. 
And that's what authentic connection is built upon, is authenticity. Shocking, right? And when you show that life can be hard and we can change, that life can bring us bullshit and struggles and we can make it through it, that not everything that occurred in our past is our fault, obviously, but it is our responsibility what we do with it. And that's how we can transform from victim mindset of why did this happen to me to how did this happen for me? That simple shift from victim to victor to space of powerful positioning to recognize the knowledge and wisdom that lives within the space of your experiences and to know the difference between vulnerability and oversharing is that vulnerability shares what you learned, oversharing shares what happened, hoping someone else would hold it for you because you don't believe you're worth holding because of what happened, but you're worth holding. But you got to learn to hold the story yourself, to let it cook you, to let it expand you, to dig what the wisdom is. And then when you go on a date or you're talking to your friend and you're dumping your deepest stuff that they haven't earned the right to the story yet, as Brene Brown would say, oversharing is someone has not earned the right to that story. And so you get to know your story. You figure out that it changed you, that it shaped you, that it grew you. And then you won't hand it to anyone else unless they're worthy of the wisdom that you garnered from it. So yeah, that's a wrap. If you love this episode, please share it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a five-star review. I really appreciate you. That is so supportive to get into more people's ears. This is the work, right? This is the transformation is sitting in the stuff that's hard and changing and growing and becoming the best fucking version of ourselves. That's why we're here. That's relating is owning our shit and separating what is ours from what is someone else's and then inviting them to become a fucking adult and grow up and take responsibility for their shit. But if we don't of ours, how do we ask them to do it of theirs? And if we can't figure out what's ours and theirs, then we'll keep complaining. You don't do this. You don't do that. Chasing someone else's transformation instead of stepping into our own. So this is the chance to step into it. And relationships offer that beautiful window. So let's do this. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.